website, www.citizen.org. And uh, you can open up an eight-page document, which is the best energy bill corporations could buy, summary of industry giveaways in the 2005 energy bill. So it's going to detail for you a a dazzling array of the giveaways that our Mm. tax dollars are giving to these individuals right now as Mm. it is. Um, So some of them which are waiving royalty payments for drilling in offshore Alaska, waiving royalty payments for drilling for some natural gas in the Gulf of Mexico, waiving Mm -hmm. royalty payments on federal lands. Of course, we've got to subsidize an industry that's got $100 billion in profits. That's right. Why not? Yeah, I have one last thing I've got to mention uh, from today's newspaper, Amsterdam, the Netherlands, which I believe is the country where they had the whole flap over the cartoon. But as we know, the Netherlands is a very progressive nation. They are now requiring immigrants, people that want to move into the Netherlands, are being required to watch a film that shows scenes of gay men kissing and women walking around topless. Their attitude now in the Netherlands is, listen, if you can't deal with the way we like to live in our open, inclusive society, we don't want you here. And I think this is really something to think about. You know, in the Netherlands, if you can't handle gay people, if you can't handle seeing people show affection, whether they're straight, gay, or or whatever, if you can't handle topless women, you know, go somewhere else. We're not going to deal with that anymore in the Netherlands. So the next time you're thinking that our nation maybe can progress into the civilized world, I mean, maybe we should hold up the Netherlands as something the United States should be aspiring to. And if we can't get something like this across the U.S., maybe at least we can get it in Michigan. You want to move here? Watch this video. These are our cultural values. That's beautiful, Ollie. Why, thank you. They may not be uh, Condoleezza Rice's cultural values, but who cares? They're ours. Uh, Renegade Solutions is a white buffalo woman production. It's engineered. Thank you very much by Carl, uh, whose last name I can't pronounce. Coming up next is Mike Perini. He's got a telephone guest, so we're going to skedaddle on out of here. Be sure to try to go to Indian Law Day tomorrow from 1 to 5 p.m. and the uh, Hutchins Hall Auditorium. Please remember, we are all related. Mitakuye Oyasin. See you next week. Box, a box of chocolates Would I know To stay away What's that Hand off his box A box of chocolates Would I eat Them anyway Cause Every time I have Half a mind to leave you Babe That means I have Half a mind to stay Good evening, it's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. This is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food, and in this case, food for the eyes, because the Ann Arbor Film Fest is coming up next week. Yes, it's going to usher in spring with more than 100 films in six days from March 21st to the 26th. The festival was established in 1963, and it's been showcasing independent and experimental film each year, and it added video to the mix in 2003, It's the oldest festival of its kind in North America, and it's right here in Ann Arbor. 
So in a minute, I'm going to talk to some filmmakers whose work involves food in some way, because that's just the way I am. But first, yesterday I had a word with Kristen McArdle, the Ann Arbor Film Festival's executive director. So if somebody wanted to just plop their seat down in the Michigan theater, in the big theater, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think they might see on a given night? Well, it's a, it's a mixed bag. You never know. In terms of films and competition, you never know what you're going to get. There, you, there's every genre, every time length possible. I mean, it, it's really anything goes. So you could see a short animation that's about three minutes long, and then you can see a, you know, a 10-, 20-minute documentary, and then you can see a couple experimental films. And, and you know, when you say experimental, it could be anything of any technique, any any sort of tone or mood. So, um, And that's just part of the charm about the films and competition. You just you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what's coming next, which and is one, kind of fun. Yeah, one thing I like about it is it's not like your average sitting in a two-hour movie experience. It's mm-hmm. a whole different experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's a festival that kind of celebrates the avant-garde. So, you know, it's it, people, if you're expecting to come in and sit for two hours and just see your you know normal narrative film, it's not quite that... Yeah, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's also some people have preconceptions about what avant-garde means. Maybe it's not accessible. Maybe it has no sense of humor. And I think you just sit for a while at the film festival, and you'd find uh, all kinds of moods and all kinds of ways of expressing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's definitely some, you know, in terms of tones of films. I mean, there's stuff that is more sobering and serious and very intense and some stuff that is so challenging that you're not quite sure if you're comfortable and you're probably not, you mm-hmm. know? And then there's things that just are short and really funny or really sentimental, you know? It, it could be, it could go anywhere. And we are aware, you know, when we program the festival, we try to send you on this little journey that goes up and down and this and that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, there's thought behind the order, of course. I never really thought about how you choose the order, in fact. Mm-hmm. What's a good example? Um, a good example is, is on Saturday at 9.30, there's, there's two back-to-back films. One is called The Aluminum Fowl, and that film is a documentary, and it's harshly realistic. It's, it's I think, almost one of the most disturbing films we have. And the basic, basic premise is you're, you're seeing um, poverty-stricken um, two boys in the South who are so bored almost and have nothing to do that they... They're kind of malicious and violent, you know. They they have chickens and they do this cockfighting, and they just kind of it's it's disturbing. But it, I love it because it's um kind of realistic view of a, a something going on in the world that you might not be aware of, you know. Mm-hmm. And it kind of leaves you with this strange feeling. And all of a sudden comes this film called um, Google Google Image. Plus, um, wait, what is this film called? It's such a long time. Spam letter plus Google image equals video installation. And this is, it's a really interesting transition because this movie, you know, those letters that we get from, uh, you know, I I have a million dollars. I am in Zimbabwe and you can get it if you give me all your information. Right. It's one of those letters uh, repeated back to you in kind of that robotic voice. (laughs) And with the words, the words in the letter, um, the director, Andre Silva, he, he got Google images for the words and assigned each word a Google image, and it, it's just so, the, the transition between, you know, and it's very short, the Google image film is about three minutes long, and it's so short, but the transition, the difference between the aluminum foul and the kind of reality and the empty feeling you have, like, when it ends, and then to the Google image thing, which has this humor to it, you can't avoid it, you know, mm-hmm. and it just kind of, you know, it, you just go up and down like that, and that's just, like, one interesting example of how... You know, that one was thought through in terms of every feeling that the film gives and what's the next thing we want them to feel and, you know. Wow. Mm-hmm.
Yeah, that was Kristen, who is the the executive director of the Ann Arbor Film Festival. And now I believe I have a guest on the phone. Hello? Hi. Hello. Is this Thomas? Yes. As Thomas Barnt, you have directed a film called The Walking Inc., that's correct? Yes. And that's going to be in the film festival. Can you tell us something about it? Well, it was... Um, I've always been a fan of science fiction from the 50s and early 60s. And um, it's just a short film Some where I took... Uh, people I knew and made them into characters in the film so they would have an easy time uh, playing the parts. Okay. And uh, my understanding is that something happens to one of the characters that involves food. Is that correct? Yes. He um, There's a mechanic and he eats a hot pepper and it gives him uh, supernatural powers. Wow. Has that ever happened to you before? No, but I tried. You tried. <laughs> Have you tried different ones, habanero, jalapeno, and see if you can get those powers? Yeah, there's a there's a Hungarian one, too, that's supposed to be pretty strong. Wow. So my understanding is you not only produced it, but you did a lot of other things with the film, too. Yes, we had a really we had a small crew, usually about three people. Um, and so I, I wrote it and shot it, edited the movie, and, and also uh, did the, the sound design and directed it but everybody had multiple jobs um sometimes the actors would have to set up lights or slate themselves or uh, you know hold the microphone so what inspired you to do a film called walking ink about uh, a strange pepper uh it's just uh after i started shooting it it seemed like a fitting title because one of the characters is always in silhouette and to me, it just looked like a um, walking ink ink blot. Oh, okay. But um, no, I actually we we did this. Uh, some friends of mine and I in Las Vegas uh, were really interested in film, and so mainly I made it just for for my friends. And one of them suggested to send it out to some of the festivals, and and so I started sending it out in uh, in December. So I understand that it's, is it being shown or has it been shown in other festivals, As if I understand correctly, on websites that it has been? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it just, uh, I started, it started uh, screening in February and in March, I think, we're in eight festivals and um, and then it continues on. Um, I'll have to wait and see, what, you know, what the answer is from some of these other festivals. But, but I was kind of surprised by all that. All the all the uh, the acceptance of film festivals, just how it, how fast it came, or yeah, I had heard I had heard that you know that the uh, what you can expect for ratio wise was was pretty low, and I've been I've been really lucky uh, with it usually. Uh, and after um, it seems like once it screens at a couple of places, your luck gets better. Oh, okay. So uh, you wrote the music for this. Uh, what? sort of music, I guess I don't want to necessarily give anything away about the film, but uh, what inspired you to write the music, and how did it, you go about it? It's not so much, um, I'm, I can't really play that many instruments, but what I knew how I wanted it to sound. I guess it's not so much music, but it's mostly different types of sound effects, and, and you know, there, there's no real songs in there, but 
but I knew um, like the qualities of sound. I wanted to hear a lot of static, and I wanted it to be really uh, to degrade all of the uh, all of the sounds, so that it sounded like it was coming through a radio, you know, from the 40s or 50s. Um, so it was it was mainly, you know, we just I did a lot of recording on a, just an old four track recorder and and. I would play some of the tracks in reverse and record over them with others and then run it through some filters to to give it more uh, age. That sounds like fun. Yeah, it, it definitely, it, it uh, you can spend hours doing that and, and before, you, you know, it doesn't seem like any time has gone by. So it's an eight-minute uh, piece, but it's something that you probably spent uh, days, months on perfecting? Yes, it shot it... Um, over three or put it together over three months uh last summer okay and uh what are what's some of the experience that you have going into making a, a film like this i just i was very interested in filmmaking and i uh i took a workshop four-week workshop on cinematography and uh once i got into that i started collecting uh used equipment and then i i would take like a weekend workshop for editing and and maybe take a day to learn um location sound and then from there just kind of just you know started shooting short films this was 2002 I started doing that and I have about a handful of films right now okay what are some of the other films like can you make can you describe some of them some of the things you've done one of them is a um it's a 2 minute film it it the way it looks sort of like a music video, but it's about a uh, it's about a, a student trying to leave his uh, he's, it takes kung fu classes and he's trying to get away from his teacher, but uh-huh. the teacher ends up stalking him. It was based on a a guy um, from my hometown who he he claims to be able to do all these amazing things, and and uh, he used to try and he would go up to the YMCA and talk to try and convince 13-year-olds to join his class and try and teach them how to, like, fight their way out of uh, a circle of gunmen, things that you wouldn't <laughs> normally teach little kids. I always thought it was strange. <laughs> Since then, I heard some more stories about him, so then I, I thought that would be... I mean, it's, it was interesting. And then um did another one. Um, I did I did a few kind of, like, Twilight Zone style, and then and I've done some in, you know, some in color. But um, based on the equipment I have, everything is kind of takes place no no more recent than like the '70s because all the equipment I have is is from that era. So it fits the '70s look or the pre-'70s look. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The older cameras really uh, I like the way um, black and white film is exposed on my older cameras because they're thirty thirty plus years old. But um, and then. And some of my lenses aren't quite that old, but I can't really get past, you know, like the like the French Connection or like still the graininess of the '70s, and so that's where I'm at right now. Oh, okay. But it sounds like something that you're enjoying a lot. Oh yeah, I, I, it's yeah, it's the, it's the most fun I've ever had. Great. And uh, now you mentioned Las Vegas. Is that where you're from? I'm actually from Cleveland, Ohio, but I live in Las Vegas um, part of the year now. Okay. And where do you do a lot of your films, do you think, most likely? 
to do mainly mainly in Las Vegas and and um, a little bit in in Los Angeles. I shot a couple of short films out there, um, but um, that that's when I was learning, and so I was I was out there anyway, and uh, and then once I put together all my equipment, then I went back to the desert and just found you know there's only a few, a few people out there that really even want to shoot film. Um, most everybody else in Las Vegas has switched to digital video. Oh, okay. And here's a film festival that really appreciates real film, as a matter of fact. Yes. <laughs> They've just added video, I believe, in the last three years, but uh, film is a big part of it. Yeah, at first, I mean, I, it's just a preference thing. I mean, I know the, you know, the economic side of things causes a lot of people to shoot video and sometimes the story would you know better shoot video but I, i'm going to keep shooting film you know as long as i can great well i'm talking to thomas barnt and he's directed an eight minute film called the walking inc it's going to be at the ann arbor film festival next week and it's going to be showing next wednesday at 9 30 p.m and it is about a strange pepper that a person ingested created by a mad scientist and the things that happens to this person and uh, Thomas uh, wrote the screenplay, did the cinematography and the editing, and came up with the sound, and had a cast of six people, I understand correctly? Yes. And produced, you produced it as well. Yes. Well, Thomas, anything else you'd like to say? No, I'd just like to thank, well, the uh, the people that put on the festival. I appreciate you screening the film. Sure. Um, That's great. You know, it's, uh, I'm really thankful for that. Well, thanks so much, Thomas. Um, good luck with your film, and there's going to be a winner's night on Sunday, so I hope that your film will be in that, too. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thank you, Thomas, and uh, take care. Bye. Bye-bye.
Okay, that's Elvis Costello and the attractions. Actually, that's without the attractions and Dr. Luther's assistant. But speaking of attractions, yeah, the Ann Arbor Film Festival is coming up next week. It's from March 21st to the 26th in Ann Arbor at the Michigan Theater. And we just spoke to the maker of the, an eight-minute movie called Walking Ink involving a guy who eats a strange pepper that gives him strange powers. Oh, and uh, I won't say more about that, but uh, I haven't seen that yet, but I'm looking forward to it. And we'll be getting a call in just a moment from some other filmmakers, one or two, although we're using the high-tech 21st century concept of the telephone, so probably just one of the two filmmakers. And that's a film that I have seen called Coffee and Milk. Hope to be hearing from them in just a moment. That's going to be showing, too. If you've never been to the Ann Arbor Film Festival, it's a hundred film, more than a hundred films, actually, in six days. The festival was established in 1963, and it's been showcasing independent and experimental film each year. And it added video to the mix in 2003. It's the oldest festival of its kind in North America. And it's a big event, too, when you walk into the Michigan Theater. It's bedecked. It is bedecked with stuff. And there's always different stuff. And in the past few years, uh, it has been bedecked with, by one woman who did a wonderful job making it a big fun festival event, walking in the door and seeing all this stuff inside the already beautiful Michigan Theater now surrounded with strange stuff. But this year it's a bunch of U of M students who have concocted something. And when I spoke to Kristen, the uh, executive director of the Ann Arbor Film Festival, he said she was looking forward to seeing what it all looks like when it all comes together. So she's seen bits of this and bits of that, but she hasn't seen everything. So that is coming up on March 21st to the 26th, the Ann Arbor Film Festival. And what's going to happen is they're going to show films from the 21st through the 25th and actually into the 26th. But on Sunday the 26th, there's going to be a winner's night. They're going to take all the films that have been shown in the last five days or so. And judges who have come in for the film are going to judge the films. Another thing you should know about the Ann Arbor Film Festival is that they've just made it easier to buy tickets. You can always go in line at the Michigan Theater box office and and buy tickets. But now you can also buy them online through TicketWeb.com. And you can go to the website, actually, of the Ann Arbor Film Festival and find that out for yourself right there. So now, other than Walking Inc., see, I heard that there were some films about food. I talked to them and asked them, what are some Ann Arbor Film Festival entries about food? They told me about Coffee and Milk, which is an experimental video exploring communication and sexuality through the metaphor of everyday items, coffee and milk. And we hope to have a call from then soon, but if not, then we'll just have to imagine coffee and milk and sex and, well, anyway. Uh, Also showing next week is something called Grand Luncheonette, documenting the last days of one of 42nd Street's unforgettable hot dog lunch counters. Its closing marks the final stage of the much-publicized gentrification of Times Square in New York. So Grand Luncheonette is showing. And then a film that I hope I can get the name right called Chalaz, C-H-A-L-A-Z-E, and it consists of eggs shot on glass from below and above. They're the primary image material, and it says here cellular and cosmic forms appear throughout microscopic and macroscopic worlds are evoked. So that's Shalaz. And I believe uh, we have another person on the phone. Hello? Hi, this is Mary. Hi, Mary. You are one of the filmmakers behind Coffee and Milk, correct? Yes, I am. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. That's right. I collaborate um, with my husband, Stefan Hillebrand. And uh, I can say that I spoke to somebody a moment ago whose film I have not seen, but I did see Coffee and Milk on your website, and even though I saw it in a very tiny screen, I have to say it's really beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. 
Yeah. Uh, could you describe coffee and milk without giving too much away, of course? <laughs> <laughs> um, there are images um, that were shot um, from underneath of my husband blowing milk into coffee, and then that alternates with me blowing coffee into milk. Ah. So one image is, is dark with, with white kind of flowing into it, and the other image is white with darkness flowing into it. And the third image in it is uh, my hair kind of swirling around through milk. And um, those are all cut together um, to a, a children's song by a, a children's musician called Raffi. Oh, Raffi, yes. <laughs> the man. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't have lyrics. Um, and so it's meant to be taking this kind of everyday experience of looking at your milk and your coffee and then blowing that up into a, a cinematic experience. So what inspired you to do that? Um, it was literally sitting at the coffee, at the breakfast table <laughs> with our coffee and poured milk into it. And if you don't stir it up, it stays separated from one another. And we thought, oh, that's really beautiful. And it kind of makes these beautiful patterns. And as we were shooting it, we thought it was interesting how some points looked really microscopic and some points looked galactic, almost like hurricane weather patterns or something. But then it also had this kind of microscopic feel to it and had a very painterly uh, an abstraction to it. And, and in, amidst all of those colors, there is the distinctive coffee with milk color, which I don't tend to equate with uh, some of these other images, but there's something about that that's really compelling, I thought. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, so how did you, I mean, that was, did that take a lot of time to put together? What we did, um, we experimented a couple of times and what we ended up doing is we built a, uh, plexiglass box and then we set up a lighting system and put, uh, our digital video camera underneath the box. And then we were standing up on a little, uh, support stand and then kind of bending over it. So um, it took us. It, we shot it a few times, um, trying to figure out what was the the best way to shoot and how close up we wanted to get. The first time we did it, it was much further away, and then we liked it being more close up and more abstracted. So we went through a few permutations. And you got what you liked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you when you watch it, what comes to mind for you, just as a person observing it? Um, for me, it's very much about that. Um, that kind of taking something that's familiar and something that's everyday and distorting it so that you're, you think, wow, what is that? And um, kind of turning your normal observations of everyday things on end and saying, you know, that, that's not how I normally see something, what's kind of going on here. And, um, and like I said, kind of making this abstract and, and almost painterly feel to it. And you've and now I've noticed I mentioned your website earlier where you can see coffee and milk again on a tiny screen, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which uh, I met, I'm seeing it on a big screen must be quite quite lovely. And your website is maryandstefan.com. Yes. S T E P H A N is yes. Stefan. Yes. And there are other installations you've done, and I couldn't help but notice because this is a food show that some of them were also food related. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed you had one called Cheese Puff. Yeah, that one's a work in progress right now. We haven't completed the audio for it. Um, but, yeah, we're, um, we've are we filled a tank with cheese puffs, and then we're dunking our heads into it. And 
we were interested in how people in their backyards make like these wrestling competitions and do these really weird things in their backyards that a lot of people don't know is going on. <laughs> so we thought it would be funny to use, again, like an everyday um, image of a cheese puff and um, and then making that into something very different. And um, it also becomes abstract in some places. And where do you and where are you and Stefan? Where are you located? We live in Bowling Green. Um, Stefan teaches at Bowling Green State University, and I teach at the University of Toledo. Okay. And how long have you been doing these installations and this creative work? Um, we've been collaborating uh, for about six years, and um, before that, we worked independently. Um, we graduated from uh, graduate school in 1994. So. A while. <laughs> uh-huh. 